the context in which I've been doing this study, uh, it was prompted before Ford had asked me to make a presentation. Um, the, the first and most important reason why I undertook this that as we've gotten around and observed our ministry, and as I've listened, uh, and this is uh, helped along by listening to you fellows, taking down Oklahoma City and others like you, that the issue of authority and its applications was uh, restricting our ministry. That uh, and we're trying to make a transition from the collegiate and, and the military ministry that are pretty tightly structured and with such philosophies as I cannot train a man on his terms, I have to train him on mine. He's got to be committed to me before I can train him. And that this kind of thing carried over into the layman who has a wife and a family and a job and a church, he's not going to, and maturity, he's not going to sit still for this. And so, uh, this is one of the precipitating factors that to see, try to find out what's wrong. What and fellows like you, you know them, Gordon Van Amberg, Chuck Singletary, uh, some of these guys down here, section of the country have have uh, been concerned about this. And then I think they've been turned prompted by a younger generation of guys who uh, happen to be Walt's offspring. I, as I uh, trace his back, so it all comes back to Walt, really. Another thing, uh, we have uh, or our organizational philosophy and leadership philosophies that develop here and there, autocratic, authoritarian, or laissez-faire, or democratic, or whatever, quite a, wi a wide di diversity. And... Um, and found in some sections of our work there was some pretty rigid top-down kind of thing, bypassing people, demoralizing them in short. And then uh, another issue, and this is, this is both happy and unhappy to come up, is who should make what decisions, the decision-making process. So these, this and another item or two prompted the study. So what I've done and I thought I, if I would share with you, I think this would be the most helpful. I've made a survey of the general subject of authority and uh, under four headings, the sources of authority, biblically, the problem of authority, the submission to authority or response to authority, put it that way, so those are the four, the four headings would be the sources of authority, and uh, the problem of authority, response to authority, and then the exercise of authority. These are in general terms. And I've started on the matter of uh, authority and spiritual leadership particularly, cause, and that's what I think that, you know, if we get into that phase uh, in spiritual leadership, 
is what we're talking about here and talk about the elders of the city, etc. How do you identify them? How they operate? Is there, uh, is there such a thing? And I, I would like to under, have it understood that what I'm sharing with you is what I think I've learned thus far. When I first started, I tested it out on a few people and uh, I got some very, very nervous reactions. And uh, I think some have been praying very fervently that I won't go off the deep end on this. And so I've done a lot of uh, uh, going back and forth. For instance, I would say to somebody, say, now here's Walt. Walt works for me. Now, do I have some authority relative to Walt? Well, yeah. Where did I get it? Well, you say, well, you got it from God. Okay, where else did I get it? Let's uh, think about that a little bit. Now, Walt and I, we had a little chat. We talked about it, and we had a certain commitment to each other. We exchanged something. And he, he said that he would work for me, and he yielded some of his sovereignty to me. So therefore, I got authority from Walt. So it's from the bottom up as well as the top down. Well, now, if, respons if responsibility goes to the source of your authority, I'm responsible up and I'm also responsible down. Well, that's fair enough. When you have a working relationship with anybody, you exchange something. But also accountability would be to the source of your authority. So therefore, I'm accountable down as well as up. And since there's a lot more navigator staff than there are board of directors, I'm more accountable to the navigator staff than I am the board of directors. And if the board of directors is going to be in the line of authority, they ought to be elected by the staff and not self-perpetuating. Because the authority is more from the bottom up than the top down. Well, you know, I really got generated sparks on, on that. Then you pick up the management books and they get a white heat on this whole thing. I find that out. And somehow or other, authority all resides up here and then it's all parceled down and finally if there's any left, the guy down here gets it. And really, that's kind of a, I say, well, that's kind of a joke. And uh, so you know you could generate a lot of sparks. So here I am with a lawyer, and I, I understand that the law has worked out the definition of authority, and, and there's some legal aspect. I don't know, I haven't read about it. I heard there is such a thing. And uh, we've got a man from the ghetto here, from the Wheaton Moody and now uh, works with businessmen. We've got a computer man, I've got a theologian, i got on the businessman, and I've got a, co a corporate executive. I couldn't ask for a better group to test this out on. So I, I laid off of that particular approach I just described and started with the Bible. First of all, <laughs> sources of authority. Now my definition of authority, and you may disagree with the definition, and that's okay, I'd like some help on it, but I call it, it's the right, my working definition is the right to decide 
direct, restrain, or take action. And the key word there is, is the right. Now that, I've taken that as a, I wouldn't guarantee that that's the best definition, but that's, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about authority. The right to decide, determine, direct, restrain. And the caution on this issue is that an that a preoccupation with authority of who gets to decide what can be a pretty dangerous thing. Jesus gave the apostles authority over demons and they went out and they came back and they were pretty excited about the fact that the demons were subject to them. And Jesus said, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. In this rejoice not that the demons are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice in your authority. You better rejoice in that your names are written in heaven. In Matthew 21, well, all three Gospels, well, Matthew 21 following that whole chapter, the challenge to Jesus' authority on the part of the city leaders, again, you see in that uh, the dangers of unhealthy preoccupation with authority, as well as you see the uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into that at this moment, but I'm just simply pointing out that I can see where this is dangerous. Reading Olin Hendricks, who is a Christian fellow who does some management seminars, talks about a centric and erratic organization. Centric is uh, Christian organizations. He says that which it's made up of mature people, uh, pretty capable initiative, but somehow when they get together, they have uh, retrogressed to the place where they're just so concerned about who has, make sure everybody has their say, who gets to make what decisions. And he calls that about the third step down. The top step is you're concerned about the goal. Then the second is you kind of get concerned about who's going to do what and then finally get preoccupied with who has the authority. And as a caution, uh, you get overly occupied with that, you could be in some trouble. Same time, it has to be clarified. Okay, now if I would, what I've done here, and I, I'm not going to just lecture the whole time, I've taken sources of authority, and then I've just made a few observations then the problem of authority, and so we'll get a chance to interact. And I'd be interested to see how you, um, what you have to say on this. The sources of authority. Okay, and we just go through this quickly, because this is not all that, I mean, this is almost self-evident. All authority comes from God, right? Romans 13:1. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own authority. Jesus said to Herod, uh, uh, you could do nothing except it were given you from above. All authority comes from God, Romans 13, 1. 
We know that God delegated authority to Jesus. He said certain things were given to him, authority given of his Father. Uh, John 17, 2. You don't want me to go ahead and, and demonstrate this, I don't think. We'll just, just give us the scripture, maybe. Okay. Uh, key scriptures on that would be John 17, 2, and his prayer. Of course, Matthew 28, 18. 1 Peter 3.22 and then that all three Gospels mentioned the challenge to Jesus' authority when they came to him after he came in the city triumphal entry cleansed the temple is teaching there every day they come and said by what authority do you do these things and who gave it to you? In all three synoptics you have the same three uh, aftermath of that one his his counter about John the Baptist is this from heaven or from men and then he told the story about the householder and then comes up the matter of tribute to Caesar where they try to trap him on the civil authorities and that in itself is uh, uh, be very interesting to go into those uh, portions that's uh, Luke 20 but simply to say here that he asserted he asserted his authority they said, tell us, and he says, well, uh, you tell me. And they thought over for a while, and then they said, we won't tell you. He said, I won't tell you either. So there was a clash. There was an assertion of authority. Now, he would cleanse the temple, and he taught there, but they hadn't told him he could. Or where, who, what authority they have and who gave it to him, which is a legitimate question. Then he told the story about the guy who had the vineyard and let it out to tenants and he went off to the far country and then later sent his servant back to get some of the, uh, uh, you know, the percentage off the crops and they beat him up and sent him out, beat up the third, second, beat up the third and he sent his son. So they said, ah, we'll kill him and the whole business will be ours and they did that. And you know the application of the parable and they all very clearly understood he was talking about them because then it says they set about to see how they could destroy him and then they got some people to come along and say you know you're same day you're uh, you know you're not afraid of man or God you do what's right tell us did we pray tribute to Caesar or not and they hope to hook him there on the subject of authority so it follows through but uh, Suffice it to say that Jesus, all authority. Now Satan has authority. Uh, Revelation 13:2 says he has great authority. Jesus called him the ruler of the world. John 12:31, 14:30, etc. Now I haven't gone into detail on any of these. I mean, the subject is absolutely limitless. When I was studying this and I pick up the newspaper and what's the Supreme Court of the United States trying to decide? What authority does the president have? You know, the, the subject of authority. Once you get into it, you look everywhere. And uh, it's all around. Now, uh, however, I want to come to man. Now, with man, God has given... Can you see that? All right, uh, I'm kind of in your way there, aren't I? I got my notes over say, there. This was identified in Lausanne as one of the characteristic of our times. 
question of authority. One of the traumas in, in this country, particularly in these days, is with authority. We, uh, well, I better leave off the illustrations there, you know, there by the, uh, we had a national director over in the Orient just taking over, boy, and he was going to be the authority, and the thing blew up in his face. So, you know, it was very practical. He, had worried, he was getting his uh, leadership concept from Confucius, I think, a little mixture there of the Bible and Confucius. But it is, it's quite an issue. issue. It seems to me that there are seven biblical authority relationships in the concerning man that God has set up. At least I have seven. First is man in relationship to himself. To himself. That's by that I mean free will. You know, Jesus said, John 5, 40, you will not come to me that you might have life. But God delegated to man free will. The second is man in relation to nature. God told man in Genesis 1 that he was to have dominion. Uh, there is the husband in relation to the wife. You get Genesis 3, you get Ephesians 5. You want the specific reference there, Genesis 3.16. 3, didn't sound right. Um, and Ephesians uh, 5, I just put down the chapter, but then Genesis... 316 says something else. Yeah, I want... No, that's right. To the woman he said, I'll greatly so on, and he shall rule over you. So there's husband relation to wife. There are parents in relation to the children. Of course, Ephesians 6, 1. Um... There's the governor or the governors in relation to the governed. And the scriptures there would be, well, Romans 13, 1, 1 Peter 2, 13. Then there's the employers in relationship to the employees. Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. Now for this we use mostly the matter of masters and and slaves. But 
there's a little clue in here in verse 8 of chapter 6 knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same again from the Lord whether he's slave or free but at any, any rate the uh, the employer employee relationships were taken mostly from the uh, master slave Ephesians 6 5 to 9 and 1 Peter 2 18 to the end of the chapter which is an outstanding portion on that then there are the spiritual leaders let's see I've got here what one two three four five six there's the spiritual leaders in relationship to the, to the spiritually led Hebrews 13 17 I'll take time just to read those can you quote let's see can you quote that one Walt obey them that have a rule over you for the watch for your soul they must have an account that they do it with joy and not with grief but that is not possible for you okay and 1 Thessalonians 5 12 and 13 We beseech you, brethren, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. First uh, Peter 5, of course, 1 to 5 is an outstanding portion there on Peter's words to spiritual leaders. Uh, there is Paul, 2 Corinthians 8, or 10.8 where he speaks of the authority that was given to him by the Lord for building up the Corinthians and uh, so those are some references under the subject of spiritually spiritual leaders and the lead now okay we've got sources God also from God delegated it's interesting where some of the books say that the ultimate where authority comes from. Uh, private property. The institution of private property. I thought you could explain this to us. Um, I was reading up on, uh, reading on that and I couldn't quite figure out how private property can decide anything. But apparently the institution of private property guaranteed by the Constitution under which corporations get set up, under which people are employed and so that's the source of authority have you heard that is that the is that the merry-go-round well that's one of them another one is uh, that all exists at the top and the management and so on is it, it comes on down or the collective will of the people or one of them I think comes the closest of any none that I read said God but one that came the closest is the nature of man and I think this is very important, the nature of man. Now what I've done is taken a general look at this now for some conclusions. And this is what will stimulate this. You don't want to hear a lecture. I think our discussion and the conclusions would be more, would be more uh, what you want to talk about. And I've got six. And here's a good point for some argument. One. We live in an ordered universe where there is to be authority and submission to authority. 
that's an uh, assumption I'm making from looking at this. We live in an ordered universe. And submission to authority. There has to be submission to authority or there's no authority. Which really was a kick. One of the young navigators was talking to me about it. <laughs> about authority. Oh, he said authority is no problem. That isn't the problem. He says well, the problem is when what they want you to do restricts what you want to do. And you know, he didn't catch it, and I didn't at, the, at that time, of what he really had said. Of course not. Of course there's no problem with authority until it restricts. Take the family or anything else. Oh, that was a kick. Okay. That's uh, in an ordered universe, there's authority and submission to authority, that we've got all these relationships. The source of all authority is God who has delegated authority in the spirit world and the world of men. Could you repeat that? Source of all authority is God. Yeah, who has delegated authority in the spirit world and the world of men. Because right off, when you read the management books on authority that I've, you know, I've, and I've got a friend who lives down the block from me who we go bike riding every night. He's got his master's in business ad. He worked for IBM. Now he works for Holly Sugar. And so he feeds me with stuff in the Harvard Business Review and, and so on. Right off, you realize that when you look at authority from from just the human point of view, you're not looking at the whole picture. You, you really, you just can't understand all that's going on unless you realize that the unseen world is just as real and bears upon the seen world. And this is the reason for bringing this in. And I'm trying to avoid a little preaching here, but just to come to the, because I got some more conclusions later on that uh, may or may not hold water. Maybe these won't either. But here's one. Maybe I better make a less controversial one first. The scriptural guidelines for man's authority submission relationships, namely these seven. They apply, the scriptural guidelines apply whether the relationship is voluntary or involuntary. I think that's rather self-evident that, for instance, you live in a society where the, or the marriage is arranged, the husband is still to be the head of the home, and the wife, he's to love his wife, and she's to be in subjection like the scripture says. 
um, it applies. If you were born into a family that's involuntary, you still have a responsibility to obey your parents and to honor them all your life. If you are born under a certain kind of government, you have a responsibility in submission and subjection to that government, whether you voted for it or not, whether it's voluntary or involuntary. And I read a little squib the other day that somebody said that they feel that there are probably 20 million people in the world today that would classify as slaves. Well, if that's true, and the, there's a lot in the Bible about their relationship to masters, etc. And all I'm saying is that the principles that govern these relationships apply in the scripture, whether the relationship is voluntary or involuntary. And, of course, God got to the heart of what it takes to make those relationships work. But here's another one, a conclusion I would come to, in looking at all these. And, as I say, I this is not a paper. This is a, our uh, theological treatise. I'm I'm, I, I'm, this is what I'm, I think I'm learning. And I'm really happy to have a chance to expose this to you. But this is really critical, I think. And I see applications to our ministry is this. That all authorities are limited. And here is a crucial issue, I think, as to what messes things up that all authorities are limited. Now, God's authority is limited to his own moral character, for instance. He would not do that which is inconsistent with himself. But even beyond that, God delegated certain authority, like free will. And God does not coerce it. He respects that which he's delegated. He has limited himself. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own authority. All authorities are limited. And in all these relationships, they are limited. They are also limited by capabilities. They are limited by, <clears throat> shall I say, agreed upon limits. Paul said he had authority. That second, that same passage, 2 Corinthians 10, you know, about God's the Lord's given me authority for building you up, not tearing you down. And then he said in the 18th verse, we will not exceed our limits or go beyond the bounds that God has given us, but that limit does include you, he said. Now, you may want to talk about that a little, but if this is true, that all authorities are limited, well then, to expect a commitment, an unlimited commitment of someone to me, say, in the ministry. That's just unscriptural. And in fact, when we get to the problem of authority, I think the problem of authority lies right there. Maybe what I'll do is give you these, take up what I think is the problem of authority, and then we'll stop and talk about these a little bit, okay? The, uh, the, sec the next observation would be, that all persons have more than one authority to which to relate. 
all persons have more than one authority to which to relate. You have your employer, you have the government, you have God, there's three of them right there. And therefore, every person, I'm talking about, a, you know, that least is old enough to be responsible, has to decide what authority applies at what time. If I say to, to Walt, I want you to drive back and forth to work 70 miles an hour in order to save time. Well, that's not in the province of my authority. That's in the province of the government who sets the speed limits. So Walt decides, and perfectly rightly so, to disregard my order and to obey the, the law. So the decision is his, not mine. A higher authority. It's a higher authority. Or at least its province of authority is, uh, you, know, you might say higher, I couldn't speak to that, maybe it is. But I'm just saying that they have different authorities and the person has to decide which one applies at that given situation. <coughs> or, or the case of, uh, of course, that which is rendered that which is Caesar's and God that which is God. Both have their rights. And, uh, but we know which is a higher authority there, of course. Right. So coming, see, I've gotten back in my mind two things. I've got back in my mind this ministry out there. And the guy that some of our fellows talk about is not committed. He's not responsive. He thinks he ought to do this, and I think he ought to do that. <coughs> And this is where, where the, some of the problem comes. I'm also thinking of commitment to a Christian organization. One's life, is that, is, is that limited or is it not? And Walt and I were talking about what we think to be some uh, uh, illegitimate applications of this to people that we trans... We tra uh, trespass out of the boundaries of our proper limits into limits that are theirs. And it's not right. In other words, we would hire somebody on the basis that it's an employer-employee relationship to work at headquarters. And then we decide they've got to work nights and weekends for the next four or five months. And the reason we give, and they want to know, well, they can cancel the Bible studies, cancel whatever you do. And then we turn around and say, well, this is a spiritual ministry. And you know, this is a 24-hour-a-day thing. Well, now, was that our understanding? Can you shift the ground on a person? Are we exceeding our limits as relates to that person? I'm just asking, I'm not saying, I'm just, it's a, it's a for instance, and I'm not saying in that case one way or the other, but that uh, the facts are, you have several authorities, you have several, we all have different authorities to which 
to respond, and we have to decide which one applies in a given case. Are you going to touch upon the chain of command? Um, don't think so. I do have some uh, thoughts on on constructing the chain of command on a voluntary situation. How it ought to be set up. And I have some thoughts on the family as it relates to function, responsibility, and authority. Especially when it comes to submission to authority. Lauren, would you go back and uh, what's your question about the employer employee relationship? Would you ask him to work? No, no, there's no problem with it. The problem is that if we say, all right, look, we'll give you uh, $3 an hour, you can work, it'll be a 40-hour week. And then, uh, okay, we start working 60 hours a week, and he comes along and says, well, now, you know, I'm not sure I can give 60 hours a week. And if I do, I think maybe I ought to have time and a half. And then we turn around and say, well, you shouldn't be thinking about money or about hours. This is a spiritual ministry now. And so we shift the ground on him to justify what we're doing, which has an application later on of what is the basis for responsibility. What, what, what do you put together that constitutes an obligation to perform? And... Uh, but that comes back again to limits to authority. What are they? And they have to be clear. Or some understanding that all authority has limits. So an employer does not have unlimited authority as relates to his employee, does he? Now later on we find that this shift, take with the child, all the authority and responsibilities with the parent and they have, you know, babies, none. But as they grow, this transferred, isn't it? The parent has, they transfer more and more. So therefore, all these relationships are dynamic in one way or another. And you have to constantly review where you are at a given point. It's very clear in a family, but it's also true in an organization, I think, that you have to periodically review where you are at this point in your relationship so you understand who has the right to decide, direct, restrain, or take action. So it's a, it's a growing thing. It's a dynamic thing. It changes. Hence the need for communication and all the other ramifications and so on. But that's what I, that's what I mean. Now when we get to spiritual authority a little bit, or spiritual leadership a little later, we want to talk about about that as a separate is that different from all the rest in some ways that that'll be a question to talk about a little later is that different from all the rest and if so in what ways in the way it's constructed etc and that you might give us some answers to who the elders of the city are and if there are such a thing if there am such a thing is uh, if they exist, how would you recognize them and how do you relate to them? 
because he's probably, he could be an employer, he could be an employee. So this could run up and down the line. I mean, there's no reason why the governor can't be a spiritual leader or the governed. So we'll talk about that a little later. That's a different uh, set of uh, arrangements. The only other observation I have on this that, well, I've already made it, that all human beings, no, I haven't made this one, are in both roles, that of having authority and having to submit. It's not too complicated, but it's just worth noting probably, at least I noted it. That we have, of course you might say, well a baby doesn't, well I don't know, let them squawk once and maybe they're exerting their authority. So I'm talking in general terms here anyway. You ever have people that are uh, in both sides with someone, like uh, this guy might be this guy's leader in one sense, and this guy, this guy's leader in another sense of these relationships? Well, yeah, I think there's where uh, we, we try to apply this to, to these relationships. We probably all not only have two, three, or four, but we may have a half a dozen different relationships that we are sustaining in limited areas of our lives. But applied to management, see, do you, do you have a pretty good sized company? Do you, no. you don't. Well, you did. Um, Here's what I, I said to Bob Schwal one day from my, my friend who worked for Holly. I said, what's the name of your president? Oh, Mr. Bunker. I said, he probably thinks he's running that organization, doesn't he? <laughs> we laughed about it a little bit. I said, look, here he is, okay. Here he is up here. And he and a few people hand down a policy down here. Okay, that policy comes through, and that guy looks at it. Well, he may not stop and think it through philosophically, but that's got to relate to maybe it's maybe it's a woman, her husband, the law, her conscience, what she thinks the pastor would think, whoever spiritual leader is. So that thing just doesn't get automatically accepted. I suppose they want to get around that. But take a little child, two and a half years old, that's been told to go to bed. Think of all the resourceful ways a little two and a half year old can think of postponing or getting around that some way without a direct confrontation. It's almost inexhaustible, right? I gotta go to the bathroom, you know, it's too hot, it's some third drink, all these things. Now an adult can do the same thing. And in a Christian organization where they love one another, pray with one another, they'll reinterpret, bypass, get literal when they helped when they helped to conceive the policy in the first place. I can name you a half about four ways right now, I'm gonna say half a dozen. I know I could do four right now. A ways honest, praying, brotherly Christian people will bypass a policy at the end of the line. All I'm trying to say is that where 
You know, when we sort of think that we sit up here and we make all these decisions and so on, that that's what's going to automatically happen now. It just didn't happen. Okay, yeah, here's one of them. We were trying to work up a objective way of having a, knowing what countries to go into when. So we worked out a, a numbering system with certain uh, aspects of population and so on. So we've got all these countries numbered, one to 120. Well, here's some guy who's got an emotional attachment to this one down here, but it's number 98. But he thinks this soon he finds his next door to one up here that's number 11. Well, let's not say 11. Let's say it's uh, 30. So what does you do but unite that and, and give us some good reason why that ought to be united into one country and considered as one? And that brings both of them up here on the scale. So we're going to get into here with or without the, the scale. That's one. Another one. We had a 50-50 percentage uh, sort of quota for the U.S. work. 50% of our people go overseas as, area, as missionaries. So what do we do? We just don't appoint them area reps. We extend their contact point three years, four years, so, you see, we don't have to, we don't meet the quota. That's another way. Now that's, I tell you, this is a Christian organization where we pray and love each other, and this can happen. So I get a little bit dubious when somebody tells me that, yeah, this is where the authority lies, you just speak and it'll happen. We use another illustration. Okay, here's Sanny, here's Doug Sparks, here's Kurt Dernenball, you met him, the, the live wire Dutchman, in charge of our work in Holland. Okay, Kurt's got an all-Dutch team, and they are goers. I asked somebody, here's Sparks, Here's Sani, and here's Dernenball. I said, who has the most influence on this guy? Was it Sani? I don't think so. Was it Sparks? Well, it might be. Depends on his commitment, etc. But now, Herod is all Dutch. He's got some strong Dutchmen. He's got a very successful work. As one guy says, he's almost euphoric in success. Sharp guys. He meets with those week after week. They're clustered close. Who has the most influence on Herod? Here or here? There's a real life possibility that it's from here. Now, if leadership is influence, and that's the key word, I think, on leadership, then in the navigators, where's the leadership coming from? Now, is that good or bad? Now, I don't say it's bad. What it says to me is that just don't stick your head in the sand and assume that somehow or other things all reside up here and would you get together in this big summit conference and make all these decisions, you better make some provision for the fact that somebody has got to do some selling, some relationship building, some persuading, and on down here, because you multiply that by 28 other countries and you begin to see where the decisions are being made on the everyday basis that determine whether or not 
this thing called the navigators is is successful or not. Um, <clears throat> what you say makes sense, but I sure disagree. Yeah, you're not the only one. Tell me why you disagree. Well, I agree that the uh, authority, the main authority, the number one man in Paul Sugar, or IBM, or whomever it is, when he makes a an ultimatum, I think it's more how he makes it rather than the fact of where the ultimatum is going to be going to be performed in the field, because his influence, who he is, how he's performed in the past, all of these things come into effect. And uh, I believe that the influence of the authority starts at the top and it infiltrates down because they were following a leader, even in corporation, even in the navigators you're following a leader. Uh, and what you say makes clear, beautiful sense, and it almost sounds like heresy to argue against it. <laughs> But I just don't think that it's all that way. I don't oh. think it all comes from the bottom. Oh, it doesn't. Because if it all comes from the bottom, you've got anarchy. If it all comes from the top, you could have tyranny. It's got to be both ways. As a practical application of this, and I uh, would just jump ahead here a little bit, in trying to decide who makes what decisions, like personnel decisions, if Act 6 is any kind of a pattern or uh, something to follow, why, what happened? You had the apostles, and you had all the people, and they had a need. So they, they set the job description there. They said, uh, we're not fitting for us to serve table. If you get somebody well. And they gave the prerequisites, the qualifications, and they said, you pick them, and we'll appoint them. So there, they were picked from below and appointed from above. Over in Deuteronomy 1, Moses said, I couldn't bear with your strife any, any longer. I just I wasn't able to carry by myself. So I said, you, you pick some men and I'll appoint them. Now, if this were done both ways, then whoever is here is off and running, aren't they? If, they're, if he's only elected from below and there's, there's not a, a confirmation from here, they have isolated themselves from the total team. And, you could, and you, you've got you've got too much uh, strength in that direction. If it's only from the top down and you try to superimpose him, well, maybe he can win his way after two, three years, and maybe he won't. But if you can do it both ways, and that means the leadership here would ha would have to get with some of these folks and together try to come to some kind of agreement on who that man ought to be. Because right now we're thinking of a national national director for Japan, and so when our guy suggested he ought to be elected by the Japanese navigators, well, people throw up their hands. No, sir. So no, sir. The divisional director appoints him, approved by the president. And that's the way it stands. But suppose we we I'm just supposing that we decided no. The way to do that, when we want a national director, whoever the divisional director is and maybe myself, would go to Japan, meet with our top Japanese leaders, pray, and look to the Lord together for who that man ought to be. If we're going to do this, 
then you've got to build, it isn't enough for the divisional director to simply build a relationship here, he's got to do it there. So that you're always got to be one rung below in relationships, not telling them what to do. I'm just giving some practical, I mean some applications, ramifications, possible ramifications. <laughs> I agree, it can't all be from the bottom up. Oh yeah. See, with my boss, I think he wants something I do with. I don't care. He many times I don't wait until he tells me to do it. I think he wants what I do. Let me uh, go on to the problem and then we'll stand up and break or whatever. This won't take but a minute. The problem of authority, as I see it, is this, and I can just explain it without. It just, it came to me, it's not new, but it just hit me with a new force. That Satan, who had great authority, sought authority beyond his limits. He wasn't satisfied. He sought authority beyond his limits and with himself at the center. And fell. Isaiah 14, 20 to 15, I mean, Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, Luke 10, 18. Okay? 10, 18. Uh, 14, verses 12 to 15. Now Adam and Eve were put in the garden with authority and with limits. They succumbed to going beyond their limits and putting themselves in the center as tempted by Satan. See, this goes, this goes back to the matter of authorities having limits. And when you exceed that authority, in the case of Satan, Adam and Eve and you'll be as gods with themselves at the center where Satan said I'll be you know, like the most high there you've got Isaiah 53 6 all we have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and therein is the central problem the refusal to stay within one's limits and to put oneself at the center one thing this study has done to me is help me to see more clearly what the problem is. The self-assertiveness, self-centeredness, and self-assertiveness of man. The result is that both the leader and the lead in any of these relationships, any of them, these human relationships, both the leader and the lead and sort of naturally determined to have their own way. Self-centered, self-assertive. Hence the conflict between man and himself, man and nature, man and husband-wife, parents, children, just right on through.
So something is entered that has contaminated both sides of the picture. Self-assertiveness, self-centeredness. And yet, putting this all together now, recognizing the need for authority and submission relationships in an ordered world. At the same time, the reality of their universal contamination, the Christian must adopt an attitude and actions that are redemptive and restorative in all these relationships. That's the Christian's point, and a redemptive, restorative attitude. Two quick illustrations. Earlier this year, I got a letter from a businessman in Colorado Springs, an acid, hostile letter taking me stem from stern and accusing me of something harm done him five years ago. Well, I was completely innocent in this situation, so I sat down to write him a letter and explain I had nothing to do with it. But I, I one of those things I happened to pray about, and I was prompted to ask the guy to lunch, and he accepted. We no sooner put in the order, he began to cry. Lips quivered, said, I'm sorry I wrote you that letter. Boy, he said, I, I just been filled with hostility and anger for years toward everybody. And he started to pour this out. He said, in my marriage, it's wrecked my marriage. My, we lived together, but no communication. And uh, we went on and, well, so I invited him to my house and we prayed and I began to meet with him every couple of weeks. Well, he just, his life was revolutionized. Uh, his blood pressure's down, his, he and his wife are communicating, you know, and what, what happened. Well, now that is not an employer-employee relationship, but it's a relationship of life, of, uh, well, that, that we're, that's our job, redemptive, restorative relationships. Now, I could have just written a letter and excused myself, but it didn't redeem anything, didn't restore anything as far as he was concerned. Or Bob Hage was with us last week at the conference, and he told about a, one of his employees, one of his supervisors, somebody who had a drinking problem, and he was told he'd to speak to him and lay him off. So he and another Christian got together and prayed about it, and so Bob talked with him and, and uh, witnessed to him, and three weeks later, well, I had a real genuine conversion. He's transformed his life, and... Uh, He's a productive member of the team. Now that's restorative or redemptive spiritual leadership in the context of a world. So all I'm saying here is that recognizing the problem, that self-centeredness is a big problem, self-surrender is a big solution. And having said that, then that takes us into the next step. And then we have the response to authority as one of submission. And that's the first lesson to learn. Because that's the big problem. But we can go and we can stop right here.
where I'm going to need a lot of time on this. You've on got some of these. Jam.